Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 Tuesday edition is here from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine from Nashville and across the Outkick network. We say good afternoon to you. A lot to get to across college football and the NFL. John McClain, he'll join us in an hour. We'll hit all the National Football League headlines off of the July 4th weekend. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hope everyone had a happy 4th. I see no injuries here, which is nice. Uh, No firework casualties, which is always a good thing. We had a big time uh, with the Withrow household. Paul, hope you did as well. Lots of action for two days, and then a third day of uh, kind you of rested. dead rest. Yeah, so uh, Simon out of the house, um, got down to Florida now. So we're going finally hut to Top Gun. Uh, oh, tonight. good. So after a Minions movie, a Sounds game, a NSC game, which really gave me a proud feeling about all there is to do in Nashville. Um, Top Gun finally tonight. I'll catch up to everybody. Yeah, uh, you may you may be sitting next to people that have seen it for a third or fourth time. But, yeah, Bobby but, Carpenter may be there. Yeah, for a Bobby Carpenter time. may be there. Well, with a you, relatively small theater now that you uh, you know plot out your seats in advance. So we're back row of a small theater, dead middle. So, uh, uh, you know, I'd like to be a, a row or two ahead, but not displeased. Had good seats for Minions. Had good seats for the Sounds. There is not a bad seat. I'm telling you, in this Geodis Park for the soccer, we were the highest we've been. It's perfect. You, you see it's everything laid out in front of you. It's a phenomenal facility. You guys need to get out there. Oh, I've heard once you're inside, it's great. How was sitting yeah, there yeah, is getting, complete getting, hell. Getting, getting there is tough. I yeah. guess they knew that going in, but it's, it'll it's get, not a fun, I presume it'll not a get fun park better. to attend. I presume it'll get better, but right now you just have to be willing to, to walk. How was the crowd? Uh, it was about 27 and change, so it seats 30. So I, I'm, I'm surprised, quite frankly, it's not sold out every game, especially a game like that. Like a, it was a 7.30 start on, on uh, July 3rd of July 4th weekend. But, you know, see where the empties are or, or you know, like uh, end zone of the sideline. So it's always a spirited crowd. Everybody seems like they're having a great time. They blew a 2 nothing lead, so it feels like a loss. You know, ties can feel like a win if you come back or a loss if you blow the lead. It definitely felt like a loss. Chad, did you uh, have any Roman candle wars or anything at the, the Withrow family gathering? No, we had uh, one minor injury on Sunday night. Uh, we had sparklers out, and we were playing a game where we would chase each other with the sparklers. And Lucy, my two-year-old, took off from the sparkler when I was chasing her, and I saw the forward momentum going a little too fast in the sidewalk, and she ate it oh. and uh, skinned up both knees pretty bad. And uh, Angie was kind of getting something else ready, and I'm, I'm like, Angie, she's, she's hurt pretty bad. Like She was screaming. Usually we just kind of give it a beat, 
and they'll be okay. I'm like, I think there's going to be some blood on this one. There will be and blood. And sure enough, there was a little bit of blood on the knee. Nothing big. Some like gravel got it cleaned the strawberry. Up. Yeah, you know, got it cleaned up. Yeah. Got, got the Band-Aid on it, and everything was fine. Uh, yesterday, I went to my cousin Trent's place in College Grove, and he's got a huge spread. He basically lives on a farm. He's got a pool. Uh, he, a pond. He, the pond's he good for you. He buys old vehicles. He's got a 1968 Ford F100 He's restoring. He's got an old blue, just like the blue Bronco in Top Gun Maverick that Goose there hops it goes. out of. He spoiled the whole thing for me. It's the same exact vehicle that he hops out of. Um, he's got that, and we played kickball. Uh, we played in the pool all day. My older cousin said at the end of the day, he said, Chad, I really enjoyed watching you be 11 years old again today because I watch you out here playing with these kids, and I'm reminded of you at 11 doing the exact same thing. Now, the problem is the recovery is not like me at 11. <laughs> so I felt it last night, feeling a little bit today. I'll feel more of it tomorrow. Second but day I, soreness. I mean, I spent, there was um, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a seven-year-old, not my daughter being one of them, another seven-year-old, that were all taking turns shooting a, there's a, a pool basket, basketball hoop, shooting towards the pool hoop by jumping off the opposite side into the water, and I sat there, and either the game was I would rebound it, or if it was close enough, I'd try to get the alley-oop and tip it in and jump up. I did that for probably 45 straight minutes, throwing the ball back to them, rebounding every single one. And now I have a blister on the bottom of my left big toe from launching off the bottom of the pool. You're limping. Over and over. Not Burns. yet. Aging But sucks. probably you know, by tomorrow, I'll be limping. How about but you, it, it was fun. It was, it was worth it. Well, we had no plans going into the weekend. We had a nice grill out uh, last night, and the neighborhood itself put on such good shows. When I like when I say good fireworks shows, like legit fireworks, not some that are barely getting over the rooftops here. These were these were bombs over Baghdad, and uh, especially next door, it was phenomenal. So we didn't have to do very much. But last night, I went out, had the uh, TV on outside. Threw on some baseball, uh, got the FanDuel app going, had the grill out going, and watched fireworks in about three or four different directions. That's a very relaxed was, way to do it. It was perfect. We I, went across I, I like the street to neighbors who put on a pretty good 20-minute show, Simon and I, in their backyard. Uh, Teresa stayed home with the dogs, imagining their panic, which wasn't as bad. The, the little one's fine. The Finley... Hears a lot less, so I think he's less stressed, though he's still, I'm sure, appreciated her presence. I don't know about you guys. Um, fireworks are so expensive. Yeah. They're even more expensive this year. At how but like loud. We, we went, and I, I thank my cousin and his wife over and over again. And my cousin's right around my age. So we're now of the generation where we're trying to do everything for our parents so they can sit in, in lounge chairs and watch the, the grandkids and great grandkids play. Because at one point, it was our parents' generation, you know, buying the watermelon, putting the cookout on. It was my house that hosted my property every 4th of July, buying all the fireworks. So we have a family member who owns a fireworks stand about an hour and a half away. And one family member goes and gets a discount with them and buys all the fireworks. I, I probably gave a small amount. Like all of my generation would pitch in, I think. But I gave $100 to my cousin. And I'm thinking, you know, that's not a small amount of money, but it's not some huge investment. But I, I gave it to his wife. I said, hey, here's just a little help for the, you know, the fireworks since you guys put it all together. And then my other cousin that's older who has a lot more money than me 
walked up and I saw him hand a wad of money to them as well. I'm thinking, well, you know, Brad just gave a lot more money than Chad did. <laughs> That's the thing that a Chad would do in this situation would be right. give less. But even giving the hundred dollars, like I watch fireworks and I am from the South. I love the Fourth of July. I love most everything about it. I do not get the intrigue with fireworks to the extent that you're going to go and spend over thousand yeah. dollars, two grand on fireworks. Because while what we had was really good, the displays that we had, it lasted about twelve minutes. You know, start to finish. That's pretty good, though. And if I pit, but I'm guessing this was probably twenty four hundred dollars. That's a hundred dollar a minute. Yeah, two hundred dollars a if minute. If I if I spent money on all of that and I just dropped twenty four hundred dollars on ten minutes of fireworks and what I saw, I would be devastated. Also, like, Hunt's like my hundred dollar thing is like. Man, I could have bet that on FanDuel. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think would have been a lot more enjoyable. Have the you know, seeing if I could have made a lot of money off of it. But I, I don't. I, I like them. I don't understand just going nuts over them. And Hutton, I think you made the right play. Allow everyone else to put on the firework display for you. I wasn't even expecting and sit that. Sit there and, and it enjoy just, them. It was it was better last night and the night before than the, the three previous July Fourth we've spent there or in that neighborhood. They. They went all out. Maybe some new people have moved in and they wanted to up the ante a bit. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed hanging outside and, and watching. And they go upstairs. You can watch from uh, one of the big, yeah, one of the big office. windows over overlooking the majority of the neighborhood in a different direction. It was See, also it was Chad. Cool. That's the thing that you're saying. Like if yours didn't, I don't know what it was like in the neighborhood that you were at. But if yours aren't going off, if your twenty four hundred dollar relatives aren't doing that, you could go like this. And turn your head towards oh, the next yeah. yard and watch those. Yeah, our, in our neighborhood, we weren't there this year for it. We're at my cousin's, but they do a huge firework display that's really well done, and the HOA pays for it. So they oh, have that's... a big HOA, you know, and it's a good way to meet neighbors. There's a lot of little kids that'll be there around the pool, you know, in that area watching the fireworks. We have a roundabout in the middle of our neighborhood, and it's in the middle of the roundabout. They they fire off the fireworks, which is pretty cool and a great way to meet a lot of different people. Driving back last night, though, uh, we're going down uh, 840, driving kind of the back way, you know, through Murfreesboro from like Williamson County through Murfreesboro to Glayville, Tennessee, past the super speedway. And I mean, either direction. It's Everywhere. probably 930 at night. It is. It's like the scene in Sandlot where they have the one night game of the year. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling both my daughters, like, look right, look left, because uh, Lucy was fascinated with seeing a purple firework. She was trying to find purple fireworks the whole time. It's her favorite color. It's cute. So she's looking out the left side of the window looking for purple fireworks. But, I mean, it's everywhere, and it's so flat in that part of, of Middle Tennessee also. You can see fireworks left and right. It was really cool. Here's one thing I didn't find very majestic about July 4th. And, Hut, I read your, your baseball column. I know we'll talk about it later. But you connect uh, July 4th to baseball as a kid. And I had a restful July 4th, as I said, after a very busy second and third. And so one of the things I wanted to do yesterday was uh, be in my, in my comfortable chair watching my team. Yanks didn't play on July 4th. Yanks didn't play on Memorial Day. I do not understand. They had understand. a doubleheader too, didn't they? They had a doubleheader the day before. <laughs> so I, I don't understand how it's a travel day or day off. I mean, I like I that they get days played. off, but I think everybody's got to play on the holiday. I thought they did. I mean, you I mean, got to be able to watch play on your July. team on Memorial Day and on the 4th of July for, for people who, I, I don't know. I mean, I want to watch them on any day, you know, a day game in particular where you have a chance to watch them play during the day. 
and I go on FanDuel's where I check, you know, or the, the scores, my app where I check scores, and I go to double check, and they're not on there. And I'm like, you know, I wanted to see him rebound from the night before, and there's, there's nothing. They had a doubleheader, I think, Saturday, not sun, Sunday. This is completely separate of Hutton's it's piece that we'll discuss later on baseball of yesteryear versus baseball today and marketability. But you know what is not marketable? Those god-awful American-themed hats and jerseys they were wearing across baseball yesterday. Well, I get to not see them in those. That was, that that was, was a relief. I was watching Braves Cardinals last night, and some of that stuff is just awful. Like, I don't know who – I know people will buy anything that's a novelty item, but I feel like you could package it in a very classic, clean look and put something on the side with the American flag or whatever for a 4th of July uniform slash hat and sell a lot more of those than what we saw across baseball. I did not give my 12-year-old test on that because that's who it's marketed for. But usually I try to see if it's a thumbs up or thumbs down for him. I did not ask, but I can't imagine he would like that that hat. That's an ugly hat. So the Yankees spent their July 4th sitting in Pittsburgh, where I believe the Pirates were playing, (laughs) but they were not. They were waiting on their series to begin today. And DJ LeMahieu was like, yeah, that's exactly what he said. He's like, it's just weird. It feels like we should be playing. You're supposed to play on the 4th of July. I was very surprised when I saw the schedule. But the New York Post points out that they have played 20 games in 20 days. Well, that's fine. So Give them a day complain. off. Well, the double Today header, is the day The doubleheader is uh, the odd part for me as they, they crammed it in and then had, a, what, another game on Sunday. But the Guardians, I think, their, played yesterday. My yeah. brother, yep, coincidentally, is in Cleveland. My oldest brother's making a, a Kuharski sentimentality tour. Uh, he's going uh, all the places he lived and grew up and everything. So he was in Cleveland, and he went to see uh, – the Yankees just happened to be in Cleveland. So he saw Yankees-Cleveland Sunday afternoon. I told him he witnessed a real rarity, the Yankees losing. Uh, but he sent me a, <laughs> sent me a picture from, where, uh, from his seats. How about the Astros with two back-to-back games with walk-offs over the July 4th weekend? That's great. The Astros the are scaring me a little bit. And the Yankees, when they get to the trade deadline, can't think they're okay because they got two outfielders who do not hit. And you cannot have, no matter how good you are, two players in your lineup who think, do not hit. And I be, say, gl- I be say glad this you weren't respect. in Atlanta. I say this with all respect, Paul. The way your team is playing right now, I don't think you were allowed to get nervous about anything until actual postseason baseball. Well, starts. the way they played, you against are the fine Astros. until the playoff. Then you can worry all you want about the Astros. Let's let's just put it neutral for the rest of this dominant. Well, you understand what I'm season. saying? They're they're playing dominant baseball, but against the Astros, they looked human, and so I'm thinking ahead. They're going to probably play the Astros in the playoffs, and I'm a little nervous about. The great season coming apart against that damn team that's well, been a nemesis I, for them. Look, I, and I, I say this because of the nature of baseball. You know, we, we see it all the time. Braves look bad against the Dodgers in the regular season, too. Dominated them yeah, in the postseason. Yeah, things break a different way. I mean, it's, it's what's fun about the game and what's maddening at times is it can be you get hot at the right time, a couple of role players step up and have dominant series – a starting pitcher or two just plays out of their mind, and you're going to be fine. But the great th- news of the Yankees is you don't have to have any of that happen. Just keep playing. <laughs> Play the way you are right now. You'll be just fine. Everybody wants Ben Attendi. So I, I think that's the prevailing move. Joey Gallo's just got to be cut. I mean, I'd rather they bring up Andujar from the minors and just give it to him. But Joey Gallo, in his whole time, last year and this year, just does not hit. I don't understand why they continue to roll him out. Chad, be glad you, you did not make the trek to Atlanta where they had, what, a 
two hour rain delay. I, I was Weather leaving. Delay. I was leaving my cousin's house at nine fifteen. I saw the Braves were up six to one in the top of the fifth. And I get home and I keep refreshing my feed on my score app because I'm thinking, oh, is my internet not picking up? It still says top of the fifth, six to one. This is an hour and a half later. And then I turn on the TV and see weather delay. They're showing the Braves That's ring miserable. ceremony from earlier this yeah. season. And it says it will start back at approximately, I want to say it was a, a 1030 Eastern time is when it started back. So I don't know about you guys. I am not one to wait out a rain delay. No. Even if I had gone to Atlanta, but on I July would be 4th, at Papa you're, you're, you're looking at like the, the fireworks after oh, the, like you're building up to that. And then you have the rain delay where they resume at like 10 o'clock Eastern. And then the Cardinals came out and hit back to back solo home runs. Well, so I bet on the Cardinals money line during the long delay at six to one, just on a flyer. Cause it's like plus 5,700. Or something to win the game. I'm thinking, well, the starters got to come out now. Whole new game. It's going to be a bullpen game. Who knows what'll happen? Who's going to be more motivated coming out of this loss? And then I saw the two home runs. I'm thinking, all right, I might be on to something here. And the odds shifted big time. Braves held on and won. But I turned it over Betting in time against this team to see them. It's called hedging your happiness. I turned it over and I saw the Braves like joking around in the dugout, getting ready to go back out for the game. And I'm like, man, this thing is going to end at like you know 1 a.m. or 12:30 Eastern time in Atlanta. But I mean, they were in good spirits. It was Matt Olson and Acuna throwing sunflower seeds at each other and laughing about something before they took the field again. I mean, you can't help but uh, it's you got to stay upbeat because you know you ain't getting the hell out of there. So what's your choice? <laughs> you be miserable. Look, I don't. I'm not gonna. You know, they're playing baseball yeah. for a lot of money for a living. I'm not gonna throw a pity but party it's for suck. them. But yeah, I'm also watching it. Just a human being in me thinking. That's a long time to just go in and wait well, and then go back out there and get get it going well, again. Well, the night before. To play five more innings or four more innings. The day before, the, the Cardinals just got into town, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, yeah. The Braves were in uh, Cincinnati. The Cardinals were somewhere else. Yeah, and the Cardinals, I they think, got in Atlanta. at like 11 o'clock Eastern the night before. And then they had the long delay afterwards um, and, had not, and had not started well. But then they came out and, and – were on fire from the plate, didn't win. But the Braves were able to hang on to a game they should have and would have easily won. Uh, at, one, at one point, the FanDuel had it up at like minus six and a half, minus seven and a half runs for Atlanta. Go back to the, the Yanks-Pirates uh, just for a second. Got to be the record combination size for a center fielder against a shortstop in history, right? They got that 6'7 guy O'Neal playing shortstop Cruz. against Judge. Finally, it will be the opposite of the Altuve judge picture. These guys will actually look eye to eye. By the way, O'Neill Cruz, great discussion fodder for what we're going to talk about later with your piece. Oh, here's a ridiculous this thing. this is someone who needs to be mimicked by little kids with his batting stance at six foot seven. So I was at the Sounds, and the Sounds played Indianapolis. Indianapolis, I guess, has a long history being the Indians. So they're the Indianapolis Indians. But they wear Pirates helmets, and they're affiliated with the Pirates. Well, I, I saw that. That's bizarre. I saw that with the sounds, too, and I'm thinking, how did the Cleveland Indians have to change their name and not the Indianapolis Indians? Yeah. <laughs> also, how do the Pirates go along yeah. with the oh, team know, being named the Indians? How the Pirates sponsoring My, a team that's called the Indians? It's further proof that minor league affiliation system is broken. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing's just... 
That's weird. Totally you, you want guys helmets. wearing Indians Indians jerseys with a P, uh, a black helmet with a P. Could on. they not? Uh, could they not afford their own like gear and stuff? So it's like a <laughs> yeah. You wear last year's like a middle stuff. school locally. I don't know. It's it getting was free weird. To I kept looking at it, thinking like, it is weird. It's like uh, Major League. Cleveland still has a team yeah. when yeah. he's on the Indians. Like, we were yeah, screaming we at a guy. Everything. It's great. So the sounds <laughs> were down eight three after a terrible second inning, and they rallied back. And we were screaming at the guy. They had two on, and we we're screaming. He's a big bopper, but he's against a huge shift. And Simon and I are screaming at him, bunt, bunt to third. They're giving you first base. And he hits a two-run homer to give him the lead and ultimately win Crushed. the game. We're like, all right, that'll beat the shift also. I had to love that the guy yelled at you. Yeah, there's your bunt for you. I got your bunt right here. <laughs> I tell run. him to bunt every time. We come out of the July 4th weekend growing. The Outkick Network, Outkick 360, excited to begin our partnership with 95.5 The Fan and 1300 AM in Marion and Carbondale, Illinois. Excellent. We say hello to everyone in Southern Illinois, uh, home of the Chicago Cubs, uh, among uh, a plethora of, of other sports lineups, including Outkick 360, day number one for us today on 95.5 The Fan and 1300 AM. Also, Dan Patrick, Colin Cowherd, and much more. Uh, shout out to Dana Withers, Chris Hugo for, for making this happen. Uh, Jeff, uh, the engineer who's been working nonstop to make sure today's launch went off without a hitch. Uh, thanks to all the hard work and effort there, and we're excited to be a part of it. For everyone listening, you can join us on Twitter at Outkick360, and uh, we say hello to you officially today on July the 5th. Excited to get going. Excited to add the, the radio affiliate network. Uh, it's been a great time getting to know Dana Withers and her entire team with Chris Hugo there and getting this thing done. And uh, I'm excited. Carbondale, Illinois, also home of the Southern Illinois Salukis. That's a sneaky, good basketball program. You got to watch out for Southern Illinois there in Carbondale. So we're excited to be on, at, on those great stations. Welcome, and, welcome. Uh, and the uh, surrounding area, again, daily, 2 to 5, is where you'll be able to find Outkick 360 on 95.5 The Fan and 1300 a.m. Coming up, we discuss what's next for the SEC. We will dive into, from there, what it means for the Big Ten and the Big 12 and the additions the Big 12 are, are debating on adding and the news that we'll be following a lot throughout the week. That's coming up. First, though, Outkick 360. Excited to partner with Aurora NutriScience and VitaLifeScience.com. V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com is where you can see more information about their great supplements they offer. Vitamin C, vitamin D3, glutathione, and so much more. 15% discount for Outkick 360 season ticket holders. You go to vitalifescience.com, type in Outkick 360, hit submit, and you've got your 15% off on the order. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. But here's Aurora NutriScience. Unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes, and that ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. Aurora supplements absorbed in the bloodstream through the GI tract, ensuring it's not wasted like a typical capsule or pill. Visit VitalLifeScience.com for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at VitalLifeScience, V-I-D-A, LifeScience.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, 
live only on Netflix. Over the weekend, it was all quiet on the East Coastal area, Eastern area of the United States for college football, specifically the ACC. But the Pac-12 is being pillaged. The Big 12, with a report uh, this morning through Dennis Dodd, is where I first saw this come down. Uh, The Big 12 is in deep discussions to add six teams to their conference. The six teams include Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon, Utah, and Washington. So uh, I immediately look at this and think, well, they're, they're now taking what they can from the Pac-12. I immediately thought, Chad, of what we discussed last week, of the rumors that were swirling about Oregon and Washington being a package and how the Big Ten was interested in that as well. And, in fact, I believe we, that the, the rumors were we would hear something early this week about Oregon and Washington and potentially the Big Ten to accompany USC-UCLA. We discussed the legislation that they were debating out on the the, the Pac-12, specifically the state of Oregon, with Oregon and Oregon State. And I also thought of, where is Stanford and Cal in this? And if you're the Big Ten, are you going immediately after Stanford and Cal as the next pairing to add to your conference? If, in fact, uh, Dennis Dodd is, and he's, he's accurate, um, if, in fact, this comes to fruition where you see the Big 12 add these six schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon, Utah, and Washington. This is a lot different. I mean, obviously, the SEC comes out and it doesn't say we're courting so-and-so. Comes out and says, hey, Texas and Oklahoma are coming to us. And then Pac-12 in a you know, slightly smaller but awfully big move says, hey, USC and UCLA are coming to our conference. Then, then you have this movement. We would like very much for these six schools to come join us. We're going to court them hard. That's a much different tone uh, and and yeah. advancement, right? Two two big conferences says, "Hey, we've got these two big boys, and we've got these two big boys." And then another conference says, um, "It sounds to me a mousy like we're going to try to get these six schools very hard." So the Pac-12 this morning. The report came out that they have upped their timetable to renegotiate their television rights, which is horrendous, where Larry Scott completely screwed over the conference. How's it going to get any better now? With what happened. So they're trying to do that. And then right after that, the Dennis Dodd report comes out about they're getting gutted. So they, they're already in front of the Big 12 for the next TV rights deal. But now they're even further ahead of them. But what are they negotiating with if those teams are now leaving the conference? And here's the part of this I don't understand, and I've written a piece that will be on Outkick.com tomorrow about what I think the SEC and Big Ten should do. And this is not me agreeing with any of this. I hate most of this. But I also acknowledge that this is the direction it's going. You can't stop the future. And those in power want to stay in power, and the rich always want to get richer. These are universal truths in America and throughout the world. So they're going to keep doing this. Well, the two most powerful brands and conferences are the Big Ten and the SEC. They are set to make the most money and provide the most security for schools. So why on earth are you leaving for the Big 12 right now? I think that's, if I'm advising these schools, I think it's dumb. I understand the Pac-12 is not in a great spot right now, but I'm not just taking the Big 12's offer and going. 
if I'm in the ACC or the Pac-12, I'm not rushing to any other conference except the Big Ten or the SEC. If they come calling, I do everything in my power to go. I'm holding out and waiting to see what happens if it's the Big 12 courting me. Now, if you're Fresno State, Boise State, San Diego State, Appalachian State, name all these programs all across the country that aren't in any Power 5 conference right now, then yeah, you jump at the moment the Big 12 or the Pac-12 calls. But if I'm a school and the ACC, the Pac-12, or the Big 12 are trying to recruit me and I'm currently in a Power 5 situation, I'm not in a big hurry. Now, the first thing I thought of when I saw this, this preliminary report about the Big 12 wanting these schools was it's a leverage play. This is Washington and Oregon wanting to get into the Big 10. Hey, we've got other suitors also. Big 12's making a move. This could also be in part with some of these programs a move to try to up themselves to the Big Ten or the SEC. So we'll see how it plays out. I just don't know why anyone would be in a huge rush to join the Big 12 right now. And why I understand why you'd want to join the Big Ten or the SEC. I think you hold off a bit on the Big 12. And why would a TV network be anxious to negotiate with the Pac-12 right now? Well, I think, I think a TV network would rather see a merger of the two conferences, which is what I think that's also in play here. The Big 12 leverages enough schools to be willing to bolt that you then go to the conference itself and say, hey, our contract's up, yours is too, let's... Become the third big conference. Let's join forces and let's legitimately try to raise the price tag on our our suitors. You're talking to so-and-so, we're talking to Fox, and and you try to combine the negotiations... And you're off and rolling much more long-term than where they are right now. And if I'm Oregon, if I'm Washington, not only if it's a leverage play for the Big Ten, I'm also trying to ensure that when the Pac-12 is no more, I'm not with them. I'm not on the sinking ship. The Big 12 is as much a life raft for them as it is anything else when you consider where the Pac-12 is headed right now and how we were discussing where the Big 12 was headed 12 months ago. What do we think's better for the sport? That scenario where you have a third player and you have three mega conferences or keep going towards the two mega conferences? I, I think what's best for the, first off on that report about the TV renegotiation for the uh, Pac-12 you leak that to try to keep your current schools from jumping yeah guys hold off I'm gonna get a big deal done George Klievikov is going in and saying we're gonna make this happen for you don't bolt just yet so you're trying to kind of keep everyone on the ship um I think the best scenario for college football would be a straight merger between Big 12 and Pac-12, and then for Notre Dame to go ahead and go all in with the ACC, and probably West Virginia geographically to break off from the Big 12 and join the ACC, which would solidify that conference, and then you have a Big Four four at that point, and not worry about a Power Five, and you've got four major conference players that all contribute to an expanded playoff system, and you get to keep things a little bit more the way you know we like them. If you're a traditionalist with a sport, or you've been watching things the last, you know, in some cases, 20 years, in some cases, 100 years with a conference, and you want to keep those things the same, and then you have some sort of conglomerate Big 12, Pac-12 that's now the West Conference, or whatever you want to call it, and it's this mega-conference 
of all these schools and they combine. I didn't mean to leave the ACC out, but you're right in that it needs something to amp itself up a little bit. Notre Dame, sure. Yeah, I mentioned that last that. week. But, Notre Dame um, with Josh Pate. I, I brought up the one play the ACC and Jim Phillips could make that would just have everyone shut up about any movement from their conference is to add the Irish. But uh, Otherwise, they're always going to be mentioned as last. schools that are going to be uh, – jumping ship rather than staying on on board but unless they just give them the world which is a much bigger percentage of the share of conference revenue they're going to lose out Notre Dame's not going to jump because they can hold out and, and get a good deal from the Big Ten or the SEC yeah the Big Ten put them in a better spot it's and rumored that the Big fit. Ten could give them 80 million a year to join and, and, and right now so whenever USC and UCLA left they went from uh it was a 12 million dollar loss in annual revenue for projections for the Pac-12 per team per year just by losing USC and UCLA. There are those within the sports business angle in front that say on the new TV contract, if you combine forces, teams could get around $50 million each per year on uh, a renegotiated new television slash streaming contract if they played this right. So there's money to be had versus money to be lost if you stay put and do nothing. The Pac-12 is trying to do something uh, with the Big 12. We were mentioning last year at this time that the Pac-12 was on the clock and they should be calling up the Big 12. We just lost teams trying to do some type of merger. And because they've waited um, on, on these television contracts to expire, now the Big 10, who can negotiate with Amazon and Apple and others, uh, and they've already got, they still have Fox on board, they still have um, other television contracts. CBS is, is in the mix as well. They can now add on an additional platform and make even more money to spread their, their wealth around for their availability of, of games and, and teams and rivalries. They can put it on many different networks and platforms the way they've written out this new television deal. I just got word my column's going to drop in 20 minutes, uh, actually, with all this, this news of what... SEC and Big Ten should do. Um, to answer your question, Paul, about what's best for the sport, the issue with that is the Big Ten and the SEC don't care about what's best for the sport. No, I, I know. They are, they are charged with looking after themselves. So in this, it's this amped up, supercharged world of if, if I don't do it, they will. Paranoia. That's now starting to take hold those conferences are going to look out for numero uno. So in doing so, they're going to create a system that's going to be profitable, sustainable, and it's going to end up being okay for every school that's in that boat in those two conferences. But I think it will slowly destroy those who don't get in. Um, now, what the Big 12 is attempting, you know, if they pull this off, I think they're going to sustain. You know, they're going to be fine adding those programs, and they're going to remain a player. They're not going to be Big Ten. They're not going to be SEC level. But a straight merger between the two would keep them in contention for that. So that part of it's going to be interesting. I just – I still don't – it's not just survival for the Big Ten and the SEC. They have raised their profile to a level that – I mean, they just got Oklahoma and Texas and then USC and UCLA. Those are two big prizes to bring in. So if Notre Dame jumps into either one of those conferences, that's the, that's the biggest one left out there. It's not just about survival now for those conferences. It's about let's run the sport. Let's run college sports. 
Let's be the ones that we're never going to have to worry about money. I think that's where they're headed. It's not um, – uh, there are a lot of things I don't like about the structure of college football, but I think if you go all the way to the NFL, like we've talked about, AFC, NFC thing, you take away a lot of the things that are good about it and that make it different, and you might regret it after the fact. Not that they're, of course, they're targeting money first and foremost. I think it's a huge mistake for the fan out there to mimic the NFL if you're college football. Too but, much. But here's, here's, mimic it some. But Greg Sankey and Kevin Warren, it would, you would be a fool not to mimic the NFL from a money standpoint. The NFL is king when it comes to money and how they negotiate their television deals. So if you are a business person, you're looking at it saying, why would we not mimic the NFL? And what they're doing. But that can run contrary to the fans of your sport that have helped build the sport. Now, I also look at this, and uh, with my piece even, I'm looking at all the possible matchups within a conference if it moves to 24 teams in a mega conference. And I'm thinking, there's a lot of really good college football to be played amongst these teams. And new and exciting matchups we wouldn't normally see if these teams are now in the conference. But it's also, it it runs contrary to the tradition of the sport. Yeah, and it's not going to be as frequent because it's not a 17-game schedule. You know, NFL, you don't see some matchups for for eight years, right? But it's still a 17-game schedule where you see uh, a lot more. And in college, you're not going to, they're not going to come around quite as often. And I think we're going to miss them. So the, the other thing to consider is they're already making a ton of money that we know off the, yeah. of the contracts. Um, they, you know, the college football playoff is separate from the NCAA. The college football playoff contract expires with ESPN in 2025. But after that, you don't need a unanimous vote to then expand the college football playoff. All of these television contracts are up then too. So if you think about why all of this is happening now and why the SEC, even though they've they're about to go into their ESPN deal, why the Big Ten is, is acquiring USC and UCLA and why the Pac-12 and, and, and Big 12 need to move and move fast and who knows what happens with the ACC, they're going to get the expansion that they want in the playoff system. And whether or not that's a part of the NCAA or not, meaning all of the conferences, there will be a have and the have-nots on crowning the national champion as we view it, right? Second, what kind of vote do you need? Well, right now, you've got to have all the presidents and um, ADs on board with, with moving forward to expand the – or the commissioners, rather – with moving forward to expand the playoff. And that, that's why we've seen all the bickering back and forth between guys like Greg Sankey and Jim Phillips and, and others um, and, and de facto commissioners who are you know in or out. It, and Kevin Warren, too, is, is also looking at, at things and scoping things out, trying to figure out what's the SEC and ESPN trying to figure out long-term that we're either going to be a part of or not be a part of, and how do we get our, our share, right? How does Notre Dame factor into that in 2025? Now, there would be, to me, some leverage in making sure that they're attached some way. There would be some monetary gain for the college football playoff moving forward. And in this, in this question, I'm saying... I'm posing the, the idea that they're not, there's no longer a power five and we're not funneling conference champions per se to the playoff itself based on a, a system that we have in place. I'm, I'm looking at it from a separate angle where you have two, three, four power conferences 
and then you have the rest of college football. And it would be the two, three, four power conferences that are going to funnel teams through their own semifinals to the college football playoff. That's how I would structure it. And is Notre Dame a part of that or not? If they are, someone's going to benefit from it other than just Notre Dame. Someone being a conference. Yeah. That, that's a huge... And, and also consider, the NCAA runs March Madness. They're a billion-dollar company and barely even get money from the college football playoff compared to March Madness. In this scenario, you've got Sankey and Warren and whoever else wants to join saying, we're going to start our own and we're going to make, we're going to make the, the, the March a profit and, and television numbers... If not equal, we're going to take a big chunk out of it, and we're going to have our own national championship based on the schools we have competing. The, the basketball thing will hurt. Uh, the change will hurt a little bit because the Cinderella element's a big deal in March Madness. The Cinderella element's nothing in the college football playoff, and that's where I think you can ultimately pressure Notre Dame a little bit because as, as your conferences grow, your schedules are going to grow, and where's Notre Dame going to find its games eventually? Yeah, no, Notre Dame's going to be a part of it based on – the eyeballs they bring to the product. There's not, I don't think there's a scenario where the SEC, the Big Ten, and anyone else involved would not want Notre Dame on their schedule and involved in their postseason. Absolutely. But the question is, which conference, which conference is it benefiting the most? And how do they go about structuring that? I'm, that's another fascinating angle that I'm sure the Big Ten, first and foremost, is trying to figure out. I wonder if – I mean, it's probably unwise to discount the SEC in that. Yeah, I mean – Right? I, I mean, they're the biggest and the baddest. Or the ACC. Like, they, they're – by getting Notre Dame, you also get NBC. You get Peacock. Like, you get all of this um, access that they have through their own private television agreement. Um, and they're in no rush. Uh, as Josh Pate pointed out, it's not like they have a, a deadline like some of these other conferences. Coming up, we hit some more headlines. We've got John McClain in less than 15 minutes on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. John McClain coming up. NFL headlines in eight minutes. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Always love when uh, when John is on. Plenty to chat about across the NFL as we're, what, three weeks away from really diving into training camp? 26. I really think that once you get to the 4th of July, the official countdown to football season starts yeah. because you're just a few weeks, two, three weeks away from training camp. And then media days for non-stop. SEC is happening in two weeks. Yep. Yeah. We're, we're here. We're here. Um, yesterday, Joey Chestnut doesn't reset his own record, his world record for hot dogs in 10 minutes. It was previously set last year by him. I think 76. Is the record yesterday? He he ate sixty four. I think sixty three or sixty four. Sixty three. But he choked out a guy too. Yeah, and uh, like, why do you go that far if you're just crushing everyone? If sixty three wins the title, 
Why do you go to, what would you say, the year before, 97 or whatever it was? No, 70-something? 70 76. 76. He's trying to set the world record again. His own world record. Yes. Breaking. Amazing. You were once a competitor in this field. Yeah, not, not, to, not to his level. I've also never had to take down a protester uh, during any competition. Man, and he had, he had, you could tell Joey Chestnut has choked out a man before. <laughs> I mean, he took there's, this guy down fast. It's also Did, on crutches. What's up? There's a dark, I don't know what happened to his leg. There's a darkness in Joey Chestnut that we saw come out <laughs> yesterday, and I, I'm here for it. I, you're right. I mean, I saw a guy that this guy's either worked as a bouncer before Some, something, or as he's thrown hands before. I mean, you don't grab someone with that level of force and take them down. And there was a look in his eye like he was having PTSD from something. And was a, I mean, I thought he was about to uh, pull a he knife out of He did a double take, and he's like, oh, this, this guy's protesting something, and then puts him in a chokehold, and that guy just dropped. Immediately. Yes. Um, and then went right. right back to scarfing down hot dogs. I, I, the, the way that they announced these other guys, um, number two in the world or whatever, I was watching the, the highlights on, on ESPN last night. They're announcing number two in the world. And, and his feats are, are amazing. Like he's, he's won head-to-head against Chestnut three or four times, maybe you know, more than that, throughout his career, eating different things, not hot dogs. But he goes up there and has no chance against Joey Chestnut, uh, who is the, the main focus. Uh, the introduction for him is even on a grander uh, stage than anyone else. He's, and it's all free pub for the, uh, the hot dog company. Nathan's, Nathan's Hot Dogs, yeah. Yeah, that, their goal is to see how much free media they can get out of that event every year. And it wins. And we just gave them some. And well, yeah, but I, mean, I, didn't mention, I didn't mention the brand. But everyone knows who it's associated with. And now they have not only the hot dogs, but the protester dropping in a chokehold that will be replayed for free as well. John McClain next.